Hello friends, Derek Swetman here. Welcome to the first Sunday of Lent, or whenever you're listening to this, the first sermon uh, in the Lenten season. We do our services live on Zoom, and so the person reading scripture, you can't really hear that. So I'm going to read today's text, which comes from Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 15. Mark writes, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is the word of the Lord. Again, welcome to Lent. Grace and peace. God don't ever change. He's God. Mm-hmm. Always will be God. He's God. Mm-hmm. God don't ever change. He's God. Mm-hmm. Always will be God. He's God. God don't ever change. He's God. Again, welcome to uh, the first Sunday of the season of Lent. This is the 40-day road that takes us to Easter. It is a season of self-reflection, of repentance, of some low-key suffering and um, lament as well. And normally the text for this Sunday is just the temptation scene uh, with Jesus in the wilderness, but Mark's gospel is so uh, truncated, it's so short, uh, and because he's a man of very few words, it's the shortest of the four gospels, Uh, that the lectionary just tacks on the baptism story as well. So today we get the baptism story and the temptation story all in one. And so we're left with these two scenes, uh, the baptism and the wilderness. And they are, and this is what I want you to hear this morning, they are scenes of identification where Jesus steps into our world and he participates as one of us, as someone with skin and bones and thoughts and a heart, Uh, He participates uh, in life with us. And I want to share just a few things about these two scenes and then offer some application uh, for us going forward into this season. Uh, The first thing is this baptism scene. Now, if you back up into chapter one, you can see that John uh, is baptizing people in the Jordan River. And what he's doing is he's baptizing people uh, in the name of like repentance and forgiveness Uh, of sins. And what this could be seen as uh, was an act of recommitment on the part of the people to uh, recommit themselves to the ways of God, uh, where through the ritual of being immersed into a river, people were like symbolically announcing uh, like a death of the old self uh, and to be replaced with a newness of life Uh, and commitment to God. This is how baptism was seen. Now, John is the first person we know of in history to baptize people with his own hands. Baptism was normally something you just did yourself. It was an act of ritual cleansing, but John, the baptizer, is his nickname, 
um, seems to be the first person who ever grabbed somebody by the, you know, the clothing and dropped them into the river and picked them back up. But again, it's this, it's this visual display of a death and then a new life, but ultimately a recommitment. That's what the word repentance means. It means to return or to change again and to keep uh, growing in our commitment to return to God again and again and again. So, you know, this is why baptism was uh, a repeated act in the ancient world among Jewish people. Um, Now, when Jesus comes along, and you'll see this in a moment, um, uh, baptism is something you do one time. Uh, The the rules have changed uh, with Jesus, and we'll see why in just a moment. But the big question has always been, why is Jesus in line to also be baptized, uh, that's a mystery. It was a mystery to John. It was a mystery to the people there. It was a, it's a, still a mystery to us in some respects. And yet, in the other more spelled out, articulated gospel accounts, we see Jesus insisting that it was necessary that, for him to be baptized. Um, and so we have Jesus standing in line with these people to be baptized as well. Now, the next scene, the temptation scene, Uh, And Mark is also very minimal. It just says Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days, and that's the end of the story. In the other Gospels, we get a lot more detail, but we get two descriptions here that are enough for us, and they are the words wilderness and the words uh, 40 days. Um, The the number 40 in the Bible and the name wilderness or the, the word wilderness is always associated with struggle, with transformation, with trial. Uh, with difficulty, you know, all those things. Uh, whenever you run across the word 40, whether it's 40 days, 40 years, etc., in the Bible, you can be pretty sure that you're entering a story of struggle. You're entering a story that takes place in a wilderness kind of setting. A wilderness is not a vacation spot in the Bible. It's a place of trial uh, and fighting and struggle and so on. Uh, the word temptation Uh, In the Greek is basically, it means to attempt or to try or to suffer under trial. So it's not just someone dangling something in front of you and saying, do you want it? Do you want it? But it's this sense of attempting uh, to overcome something or to try or to suffer uh, under trial. So whatever Jesus is going through in the wilderness, it's it's a struggle. And it's important to know that... um, Jesus didn't graduate from temptation after this scene, but walked the rest of his days struggling, as you and I do, to trust and remain close to God. And that will be our story as well. So Jesus leaves the wilderness not ever having to deal with temptation again. Of course he does. All the way to the cross he deals with this, just like we will as well throughout our lives. Now these two scenes, the baptism in the wilderness, they're very familiar to us too when we think about both our faith and life. Like the baptism is this declaration that we'll trust God. Um, we're familiar with that. We've made commitments to do that. We've, we've made resolutions to do that. Uh, in the wilderness are those seasons of temptation and struggle that often win out over us where we might be weak, uh, where we might struggle Uh, to do the right thing or to stay the course or whatever. These are very familiar scenes for us. 
I was thinking about that first question in the breakout room about that film. I love that football film. And uh, because that is really just who we are. We often look at things and say, well, if that were me, I would be able to do it. Or, you know, maybe you work for somebody and you're like, if I was in that person's position, I would do a better job or whatever the case may be. And uh, I remember, you know, I was trying to remember in my own life of examples of that for me. And just to be honest with you, it seems like my whole life has been one uh, stream, you know, one series of uh, events after another where I thought, well, if I can just get to this point in my life, then I'll be better at X, Y, and Z. And then I get to that point and it turns out that I'm just having the same struggles. It's just as difficult. In fact, it might be harder or whatever. Probably the most, um, probably the most obvious one would be, uh, before I had kids and after I had kids, you know, like before I had kids and I was a youth minister, I had all of the like, you know, <laughs> advice for parents and uh, things that, you know, they could they could glean from my wisdom as a professional youth worker. Uh, and then I had kids and I basically repented the rest of my life for even offering any sort of suggestive uh, content for parents because, you know, what do parents actually know about raising kids? Very little. You just... It's very weird. You buy a dog, they give you all this paperwork and whatever. You have a kid and they go, here you go. And here's a bag full of free diapers from the hospital. Good luck. That's pretty much what they tell you. Um, and so it's, a, it's, a, it's an ominous role in life to do that. But, you know, and, and then as a parent, you're like, well, if we, can just, if we can just get the kid to this place, then things will get easier and then it doesn't. And if we can just get him to this place, it'll get easier and it really doesn't. And you know what I'm saying. If I was if I was the boss of this company, it would be different. If I was the leader in this situation, it would be different. And it turns out that pretty much we just experience the same uh, shortfalls uh, in every stage of life. It's just difficult. We're not always as good at things as we think that we are. I mean, we're at that point of the year now where all the resolutions are starting to wear off, you know, um, I hear so many people express their desire, you know, as a pastor their desire to be better at faith and the life that goes with faith. And uh, it's hard because the term better is not easily defined. So what we do, uh, and I do this too, is we set goals because that makes sense. Like I'll read my Bible more. I'll love people more. I'll pray more. I'll serve more. I'll trust God more. I'll make a difference more often. And of course, there's the other side of the list of things that we'll do less of. I'll do less of the less of that all good goals, right? And Jesus uh, would give a thumbs up to these goals. I mean, there's nothing about them that, you know, they're, they're fine. But Jesus would also say this. He would say to us, listen, you will not always succeed. And there will be times when faith is very hard for you, if not impossible for you. And there will be times when you are tempted to hate others, to do harm rather than good, you will experience seasons of conflict where your faith and your life are at odds with each other. You will go through moments of failure and loss. He would say those things to us. The Bible says these things to us throughout. Now, the earliest Christian thinkers and leaders understood these two scenes, the baptism in the wilderness, and really the whole of Jesus's life and ministry as scenes of identification where Jesus was stepping into our world of faith and life and struggle, uh, spaces where we so often fail, 
And in those spaces, we see scene after scene that Jesus succeeds on our behalf. In our efforts to be good enough for God, the message of Jesus to us is this. Being good enough for God is really not that possible. But the good news is, is that it's also not required. That being good enough is not possible, but it's also not required. We're in the season of Lent, and uh, maybe you're fasting from something, maybe you're abstaining from something, and the, the purpose of the fast is to, uh, as, as, as much as possible, to connect ourselves with <clears throat> the pains of life, the laments of life, the suffering of Jesus, and so on. Um, but we all understand that, like, even in our fasting, we fail. Even in our uh, abstaining from things, we we drop the ball here and there. Like, if, even if it's just a, a, a mental thing, like I'm going to fast from thinking these things or saying these things even, uh, we're going to fail. That Lent um, almost has a uh, an underlying purpose in it uh, to almost force us to fail. That nobody really wins Lent. Lent is a season of failure. Lent is a season of being in touch with our failings and who we are um, in our worst moments. It's a season to become honest about the ways that we think we're better than others when we're really struggling just the same. I would say that in Lent, like losing is the goal. Losing is the purpose. Losing is where we find grace because grace flows down. Grace meets us at the bottom. And as we begin the season of Lent, we are given these two scenes of Jesus uh, where he steps into our world, he becomes one of us, he participates with us in the struggles of faith and life. And in these two scenes, we are reminded that Jesus stepped in on our behalf, succeeding where we so often fail, and calling us to trust him in that grace so that we can simply get on with following him day by day by day. There are two kinds of followers of Jesus in my experience. There are those who uh, seek to live the perfect life, um, you know, to, to follow him perfectly, uh, to not fail, to not veer off the path. There are those people. And then there are those people who, uh, these other people that follow him simply because when they do, they're experiencing the grace that they need because they're so familiar with how often they drop the ball, how often they experience failure uh, in their spirit, in their life, in their dealings with people. The truth is we're all the second group. The first group is making up a story in their heads that they can do this thing perfectly. And Jesus is just saying, you don't have to do that. I just need you to follow me day by day I'll do the work inside, but I've already done all these things on your behalf so that you can just get on with following me in this world. Like our text from Psalm 25 this morning, I do love that phrase. And if there's a memory verse for this season, uh, this is going to be it for you. But in verse four, it says, make me to know your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. God in the middle of the ocean, a God in the middle of the sea. By the heavenly great creator, he truly been a god to me. He's God.